Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher, and I am here with my co-host. I had to make it, make it weird right off the bat. Mr. John Wagler. John, what's going on, man? My seat's really low. Community. <laughs> Is that I can adjust it. It just feels weird because like, I'm looking up at you and Lacey. <laughs> We're also here with John's better half, Lacey Wagler. Hello. How are you? I'm wondering... feeling very tall and powerful, actually. <laughs> Maybe I should lower my seat. I adjusted all the seats before we came in here. <laughs> I also forgot to I, – I messed up my whole line. I was supposed to say we were recording this and every episode of the podcast at Hill City where I'm the care pastor. John, you are – and Lacey, you are the co-pastors. Yes, indeed. Also true. I was actually wondering if how Lacey was going to enter in, if she's going to interrupt you. Yeah. Because she has a hard time like entering into conversations or videos or podcasts. I say it's, weird things. It's sometimes, it's, it's hard too because I'm never, when we have a guest, I'm never sure if I want to tell them like preserve the production magic and be quiet until we, you know, like. Quiet, I know. But I After I laughed, I thought about that. And I was like, <laughs> crap, was I supposed to be quiet? It felt, it felt. Unnatural. But I'm here. <laughs> You're uh, here. Have you seen the video that we're doing now for the Welcome Brunch? No. So we reshot the video. Yes, you have. Oh yeah, yeah. oh that yeah. one. Okay. But yeah. she can't. She like comes in so oddly hi. of like how to say hi in the video. She's like hello. Also, never sure whether to look at you or the camera when you're talking, and you're never sure. It's very stressful, guys. Yeah, it's very stressful. Um, so this week we are going to um, sort of expound a little bit on uh, a sermon series that we. We're in the middle of, as of the recording of this, but will no longer be in the middle of um, when you all hear it. Um, and it was a two-part series on just the topic of sexuality and our faith um, as part of the Stronger series, which is a series of sermons that Hill City does every year. Um, so if you haven't heard the sermon and halfway through this podcast, you get, um, I should say, message. I know we don't like that, that yeah, word sermon. Fine. If you weren't sitting in the narthex listening to the sermon <laughs> Um, if you haven't heard that message, um, and you'd like to, you can go to hillcityrva.com, go up to the, um, is it, a, where does it say? Should, somewhere on the website. Yeah, it should, somewhere it should on the website there. it should be there. Um, or you can go to YouTube and go to the Hill City RVA YouTube channel and check it out. But before we get into that, we are going to do our new segment for 2021 from the <laughs> All right, Wagglers, we have a third from the feed with Lacey here. <laughs> yeah. So it was a rushed to find moment a feed. to find a feed. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait, I don't have a feed, guys. Yeah, Lacey had to rush out of the recording studio, start a social media account. <laughs> um, so what's going on in the feed? Lacey, you go first because you're the guest and also you found something you said you were passionate Thanks. about. Yeah, I forgot that I recently saw something on this person I saw, uh, follow on Instagram, which I'm not on there a ton, but... This girl, I like to follow her, and on her stories, she made something called Scotch eggs. Oh, and tell us about that. Um, so, Scotch eggs are they're soft boiled eggs that you then wrap in basically a pancake made of sausage, and we mixed maple syrup in it, and then you deep fry it. So that when you then cut it open, it's runny inside. And so I had been like thinking about this and thinking about it and thinking about it, and we did it the other night. And they were amazing. So it's a it's an egg from Scotland, not an egg soaked in scotch. Yes. Yeah. Correct. I'm gonna be real and say that deep fried sausage. I always thought that it was an egg soaked in scotch. So I never not our version at least. Yeah. But (laughs) it was really good though. It was. I was really thankful. That might be locale. That that yeah locale. We bred it. You breaded it too. Oh my. 
Good yeah. lord, that sounds like the like Krispy Kreme donut hamburger. Yeah, it looks very gross yeah. coming out like oh. a giant dinosaur egg Good or something. Lord. But. Oh man! Uh, so is that also going to be what was in your feed? It's in your <laughs> no. That's that's yeah. Um, so a couple of things. I actually, wrote them down. Did you know today or yesterday? Top Gun came out thirty-five years ago. Oh boy! That made wow. me so sad. Nothing to make you contemplate your immortality like those. <laughs> those like this person's this old. Because like it got me thinking. Like all right, so in nineteen, you know what, eighty-six when it came out, I'm like, what would have been the equivalent? 35 years ago and it was a movie called um Covetas. <laughs> were and, there movies there yeah <laughs> and then the second one was david and bathsheba those are the two highest grossing movies of 1951 holy cow and i'm just like oh man this yeah. feels weird yeah so that, that was kind of a bummer that's like when i brought up the other day to you and joe our co-worker joe that when you see kids now wearing Nirvana shirts, like, you know, freshmen in college or whatever, they're further away from Nirvana than we were from Led Zeppelin. I know. That's so <laughs> weird. Oh, boy. Death comes for everyone. Um, <laughs> yeah. ho- hopefully of old age, which is soon. Um, I have been off my feed because I was on vacation. Good, Good job, job a little, Matt. A little breaky yeah. break, except I would sign on occasionally to post pictures of myself by the pool. <laughs> Um, did yeah. yeah, I did that. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't have anything because I've tried to stay away from it while I was on vacay. It's your Matt in paradise. Oh, truly. So good. Wow. I just kept sending like luxurious looking pictures of myself with like quotes from the Communist Manifesto <laughs> over top of them. Here's me. Here's me in a rose petal laden bubble bath. Workers of the world unite. Oh, man. Um well, let's go ahead and get into the meat of it. We are going to, again, be talking a little bit more about um, this sermon series that we are just coming out of about sexuality um, from the Stronger series. Um, so stay tuned for All right. Well, um, we are here together, the three of us. I'm just gonna put it out there. I always do. This is the second time we're recording. <laughs> Why really hide hoping it? This Why hide it? Why hide it? We really went rogue on the first one. Yeah, Very we tried. Rambly. Yeah, we we recorded, and then at the end, we're just like Lacey, ever the ever the. Um, no, you were you were the voice of reason. Because um, if it was just up to John and I, we'd be like, yeah, who doesn't want to hear us just talk for an hour? <laughs> like, yeah, this doesn't make sense, guys. <laughs> we uh, we love so to hear ourselves ramble. We love to hear ourselves talk, which is why we mostly have conversations through the microphone. <laughs> um, so this is our second pass at this conversation because the last one made almost no sense. Um, and yeah, we're just going to kind of expound a little bit on some of the conversations that we've been having inside of our community here at Hill City. We don't always do that. We try not to have Stay Curious be like the, um, for those of you familiar with the meeting house, it'd be like the after party or like the discussion of the sermon. But for this, um, and probably for some future episodes, we just feel like in, what is it, 20 minutes? What do you try to keep your, your message to on a Sunday? 30. 30. Yeah, if I'm lucky. Yeah. 15 minutes. <laughs> Um, you know we just feel like sometimes there's room for more Um, and we know a lot of you out there give the people what they want give the people what they want (laughs) more of what they want Um, and so we know a lot of you out there are part of our community here at Hill City or at least are aware of what we're doing Um, if you want to watch the rest of or, or if you want to watch the initial message that we're kind of going off of, you can find it at hillcityrva.com. You can also go to YouTube and search Hill City RVA and find it. It is in the Stronger series, and it's part two of the sexuality talk. That's all the preamble. 
Cool. Today we wanted to kind of expand a little bit on some of these things. I think primarily we wanted to talk about kind of the idea of how to have grace in this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And also, what does it mean when we say that Jesus had a high sexual ethic? Did I say all those words right? Do those words make yeah, sense in a row? They do. They do. Um, so, uh, John, why don't you kind of open us up with, you know, it was, your, it was a message that you wrote and gave. Um, mm-hmm. And what were some of the things around those two specific aspects of it that you wish you could have expounded on or that people had questions about? Yeah, I think in the end, the premise of both talks, we're like wanting to get back to a starting point of this conversation around sexuality um, and kind of twofold. One, that the church has not done a great job um, over the years. There have been pockets of good, of course, um, but as a whole, the church has not done a great job around this topic of talking about sexuality, whether it's orientation or attraction or um you know, when someone's dating or if someone has sex, like what, what does that look like and how they responded and how they treated in the context of a community. And so I think, you know, that's been, or sex within marriage is another one. Um, there's that one. There's that one too. And, uh, so like there, the church has not done a great job. So like that system's broken mm-hmm. and that was part of the, with the two, um, sermons that was part of it. And then the other part was honestly that every single person on the face of this earth has a sense of some part of brokenness around sexuality. And so wanted to get us back as a community to a starting point where we could begin to engage with one another on a different kind of level in this process. And um, the fact is that we so often try to get to questions or topics around sexuality that always to me feel so far down the line Mm -hmm. in our discussions where I'm always like, can we go back to the start where it's about identity, about Jesus, um, about really trying to get into the right kind of discussions with one another, starting there, and then we get maybe, mm. maybe right. get to some of those. I, You know, Matt, you and I have talked about this in previous episodes because we've talked about sexuality a zillion times. <laughs> but um, so often we... Th- we, we talk about all of these different elements or perspectives on sexuality. And it's like most of the time, I feel like if we would just go back to the start of the conversation, I'm not so sure we would ever get to those things that make people so mad, you know, or we have such a strong difference of opinion or debate. I, I feel like so often we're like, if we can stay in that sweet spot, I'm not so sure most of the time those other things even end up mattering that much. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, first things first. Yeah. <laughs> Focus on the big stuff. Yeah. So that was like the premise of it. Right. And just thought, hey, we could, I'm not going to go through all the things that I talked about, obviously, but, um, but yeah, we want to, we do want to talk about what does it mean to be like high grace? Like yeah. we're not like high grace, but like, uh, <laughs> hey, grace. <laughs> but like, uh, how can we be like really high kind of gracious community? Um, I think the phrase that in that one quote, I don't know if you guys remember, but it was like the generous spaciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, that is like, I'm like, man, if we can get there mm. in our community, you need grace. And that's a huge, huge element. But then the part about, hey, we do need a high like sexual ethic too. Yeah. You know, that's part of the conversation. Yeah. I feel like the sermon this past week um, on grace and truth, like mm-hmm. really summed that up really well like grace is like the unmerited undeserved love that's just gonna be there Mm -hmm. and um that allows us to be really careful with people um coming from such difficult places 
and um, such different places, so many of us. And then, um, but then there's the truth part. Mm. And so we have to look at, you know, what, what as followers of Jesus, what that could look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you talk about, because I think this is linked to grace a little bit, when, when you mention like this is, there've been some pockets of good things, but that the church has mishandled this a lot. Um, what, what does that sort of look like in particular from, from our different um, upbringings, you mm-hmm. know, from our different sort of faith perspectives? So like John, we talked about you grew up in um, a fairly charismatic, like yeah. um, sort of context. Um, Lisa, my concept of you grew up at WEAG, which yeah. is a local church, yeah. um, which is charismatic theological. I mean, like, um, uh, yeah. believes in the charisms and sure. it's fairly charismatic, but it's also pretty balanced. It was pretty, yeah, tame yeah. In, that, in that realm of things. Yeah. yeah. It was like snake handling. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't see any of that. Um, and then I grew up Methodist, which is like very um, sort of academic, very like reason-based and um, sort of stodgy when it's at its worst, right? Um, love quadrilateral. Love a quadrilateral. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we probably all got similar but slightly differently flavored mm-hmm. um, good and bad. Sure. Um, would you all agree that the reason we need to talk about grace is because one of the the sort of unhelpful things that the church has done is use shame a lot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Lacey, I'd like to know, what does that look like um, from your perspective as a woman pastor who has walked alongside other women? What is the, how has that shame like come up? Yeah, it doesn't even come up it's just already up and there always it's like fish in the water <laughs> yeah, it's the water right yeah um you know i so have been in the church for my whole life um but then have been doing ministry since um really was like 20 years old working with youth and um my my personal background is that i was like way more um sheltered from just even knowing what was going on in the world, even around me. And um, so then when we started working with teenagers and I started hearing their stories and um, and hearing what was going on, um, and then we then did college ministry and have counseled so many, um, so many women, um, it is rare that this is not the topic that we're talking about when we're talking about someone's pain or someone's regret or shame. Um it is, it is very rare for it to not be around sex in some way. And so I think that is also evidence um, showing that this, this subject touches every area of our lives and our being. It's not just something you did one time as a teenager, um, but there's something way deeper that is affected um, when we're talking about our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so that also means there's um, a level of brokenness um, that can go like soul deep when we're talking about this. And I've um, seen that. And, you know, yesterday as we were talking, I just had people's faces scrolling through my mind. And um, it's it's really heartbreaking when I think about the stories um, of people that I really love um, that have, you know, kind of seen them have to walk through because of this topic and whether it's choices they made or other people made, um, how it's affected uh, women specifically. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, when we talk about wanting to have such a grace-filled community, when you think about shame, shame will make you hide. Mm-hmm. Shame will make you make, like, more unwise decisions because you take on the identity of shame. It's like, this is who I am, and I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Shame will lead you away from 
a healthy community, you know, like, so those things, when they're, when people feel that, and then that's been put on them by the church, you know, whether it's like, oh, you, you were dating and you had sex and, mm-hmm. you know, you get ostracized or you have an unwanted, you know, you have a pregnancy and you, you're just like, I didn't think I'd ever get pregnant. And then you get pregnant and then you get, you know, like sent out from your church community or you're gay and you tell someone I've, I'm, I'm attracted to the same sex. And they're like, well, you can't be here. You're mm-hmm. going to hell. What, whatever those things are, it's like, man, that's why we've got to shift this conversation so much. And that's why when we start engaging this, people are hurting. People have said no to church around this. And, um, but I would also say like the part that is so like frustrating is I said this in the sermon that like, you know, God created sex yet the church is the last people, last place people want to go to talk about it or discuss Mm -hmm. it. And which is like so frustrating, but even when you think about it, like so much of our conversations is around like brokenness and whatever else, you know, like those things. I'm like, but there's also like the beauty part, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't actually get reflected in the conversations within the church or when we're teaching on it either. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like is, um, so one thing I want to know more about is when we talk about grace, I think that there's a sort of loaded kind of semi-grace that Christians often mm. perpetrate, us included, <laughs> sure. where it's a grace that says, I have it figured out, but don't worry, I'll be patient while you get there. Mm-hmm. Which in some ways was kind of the grace that Jesus had because he did have it figured totally. out. Sure. Yeah. Um, but we don't um, have it totally figured out. Kind of back to your everybody's sexuality <clears throat> has a level of brokenness yeah. to it. Um, kind of what are y'all's thoughts on how we actually show grace in this situation that doesn't come off as, um, oh, don't worry, I'll still be nice to you even though <laughs> you're doing this terrible thing, <laughs> you yeah, know? Right. Um, how how do we have a position of grace that's really like, hey, no one's perfect. I don't I don't have it all figured out. And like, you know, so let's, let's talk about it. Let's not run away from it. Yeah. You want me to go? Okay. I think when it comes down to that, it's, there is wisdom that you cannot deny, right? And you want people to make wise choices. So sure, sometimes we're like, oh man, you see like decisions people are making. You're like, I just know what would be better, mm-hmm. you know? And so there can be this element of like, but I'm going to be gracious to you while you're figuring this out. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? The The crux of grace though, is that you are giving that unmerited grace to somebody else in the midst of, because you're deep care and love for them that you want what's best for them and you want them to see like real freedom and real hope and experience life like they, they, they should, you know, and you want that for people. And so in the midst of it, when you talk about being gracious to one another, it's like, okay, um, everyone's on a process. If, let's just say you're going to take a million steps in this, you know, you might be on step 37 mm-hmm. and it's just like, Hey, we're just, if a million is wisdom mm-hmm. and you're on 37, then you're like, I love you so much. I'm just going to be with you in this. And no judgment, no condemnation. You might screw up 86 more times while we're together. But we're just in this together with you. And that's what you need to feel and know and trust that that is the reality of why we're engaging this. Yeah, I think I think off of that presence is like mm-hmm. the big key to that because it's easy to say, hey, there's no judgment, but you know. Come back when you when you've got it figured mm-hmm. out to to do this thing or be in this relationship or whatever. But you know, when I think about it in terms of a family, um, when I think about our kids, like 
to me, grace for them means like we are locked in Mm. together. Like we are not going anywhere no matter what happens. Um, And this needs to be your safe place to mess up and figure it out. And there's going to be high amount of I'm sorry is a high amount of forgiveness. Um, But like us as your parents, like we are with you, we are for you. Um, And so if the church had that stance in community towards each other, I feel like grace looks like, uh, hey, I am here and not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say true things to you, too, um, because we have a relationship where that can happen. And sometimes we all know this with our kids, you know, that gracious element that we sometimes we have to tell them they can't do certain things too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like, like sometimes you have to be like, Hey, we're with you in this process, but right now you can't go play with your friends. Cause it's, it's just right. not a good spot for you right now. Yeah. You know, whatever. But like, so I think cause sometimes when we get in this grace conversation, people be like, well, you're not standing for truth or you're not doing, and I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Jesus never approached people in that manner. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's around this. It's like we need to give people space. We need to like, like get them on the process. We need to let them explore like what this could mean for their life. Mm-hmm. And and we don't, man, if we all sat and started telling stories about all of our counseling sessions, mm-hmm. you know, the things that we've all heard of like what happened to someone or decisions mm-hmm. they made or, you know, there's always those little things where you're like, man, that doesn't fit into my paradigm or that doesn't fit into my little sexuality box that I, I think everyone should be in. And whether that's like someone sits down and you're like, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And in your head, you're like, this isn't good for you. Like, no, like I'm totally good. Like we're, we're fine. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, and so it's not, it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't. So anyway, I just think the complexity of the conversation has to mean that we have to be so gracious to one another. And I think looking at people, when there's when there's a high grace, you're looking at people as whole people, mm-hmm. not this one part of their life that mm-hmm. um, maybe needs some work, whether that's sexuality or you know something else. Um, but it's looking at them as a whole person, their whole story, and how it connects together. Because we want to be people who have um, who have just like a larger view of what we would hope for people and want them to experience and like the fullness of what a life with Jesus can be like. And so I think, again, to relate it to parenting, like we have this like higher view of what we would hope for our kids, even though right now they can only see what they see and not saying that we know all of, you know, what everyone needs to do in every situation, but um, having that like just higher view of people and their whole life and experience Mm -hmm. and what you would want for them. Yeah. And I wonder too, I'm kind of thinking out loud at this point, but I I wonder if there's, we sometimes get grace and mercy mixed up. Cause even if I'm sitting here, so if I'm sitting here and I'm, you know, me and and my wife who lived together and and had sex before we got married Mm -hmm. and we're open about that. Um, if I'm sitting here as 21-year-old Matt and listening to this podcast, even though there weren't podcasts then, I don't think, or you had <laughs> yeah, to like right-click no. and download them from like a <laughs> Zanga site. Yeah. Um, part of me is thinking like, well, thanks so much for your grace, but like what makes you think like me and my fiance are like going to get married? Like, excuse you, you know, what do I need? Right. But I think that that's a confusion of grace and mercy. Mercy is like, which we also, are, is required of us, I think. Yeah. And you guys can, totally. can disagree. Um is required mercy is required of us as well but we receive a lot more mercy from god who is in a place of like no i do know better mm-hmm. and i'm giving you mercy whereas grace is kind of like look i'm not the captain of the boat 
you know, telling you what to do and, and then like not punishing you if you don't row hard enough. Like we're in a canoe together. We're both rowing. And if you mess up and drop your paddle, I'm going to extend to you the same amount of grace that you would if I, you know, get tired and have to stop paddling for a minute. So it's like more of an even exchange of like, if I'm talking to somebody about this issue, whether it's sexuality or, or like any other thing, um, I think it's good for people to understand that grace is about me saying like, we're in relationship. Like I may feel that I like have something to impart to you that will make your, you know, sex, sex life better or make your relationships better or whatever. Um, because I figured it out. But in the same way, I would expect that like, if you had some knowledge that I don't have, like that you would be patient with me if I had questions, does that track? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mercy is off, uh, you know, yeah, sometimes like how you can look at it as like grace is more of like the blessing part. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're gracious with someone, there's a blessing that goes along with mm-hmm. that. And when you're merciful to somebody, um, and, and when God's merciful to us, he's, it's like, you're not holding, he's yeah. withholding a judgment. <laughs> right. And like, yeah. and that's like, that's like a, but when we say I'm not judging you, that we're, that also means like, I'm not withholding it. It's not my place to correct. judge you we're and not... your girlfriend living together. Or you and yes. your boyfriend living together. Right. Literally. I'm just, if you have questions, you know, if we're having this conversation, just know that like I have grace and that's not the same as yeah. withholding a judgment that I have for you, but won't give to you right now. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? A good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think too. Like with... I have a secret judgment in my pocket. <laughs> right. Exactly. Show you. But don't worry. I'm not going to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not like, that's, that's not like, our thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're gracious too, there's a kindness that goes along with that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I wrote down the passage of Romans 2 4 it says don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient God is with you does this mean nothing to you can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin meaning Mm -hmm. like it's Mm -hmm. like God's kindness leads us to repentance Mm -hmm. God's kindness and like that we should embody that kindness towards one another Mm -hmm. I've you know thought about this a lot Matt with so puff you up a little bit but um (laughs) let's do it you know when you when one of the reasons that um you switched roles mm-hmm. was Lacey and I would sit back and be like the level of kindness that you give towards people is um, shows such care for their souls and their well-being and you're you're sensitive to that mm-hmm. and I know people look at you in one way on the front end until they actually get to know mm-hmm. you but like you know part like one of the biggest reasons what, that we would talk about is like you're just so kind to people and that kindness is what draws people in to be like, hey, there's a bigger, there's something bigger for you in the midst of this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the church has missed so much in this conversation is like, man, when we aren't kind to people that the LGBT community, if we aren't kind to someone who just got pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. outside of marriage, if we aren't kind to the person who's just like, I'm having sex. Mm-hmm. I've had sex with four people in the last, mm-hmm. you know, five months. You know, if we aren't kind to those people and like bringing them then where are they going they're not going to be around us yeah why would they want to yeah. be here you know yeah. and so i think that piece too with grace is like there's a level of kindness that people feel in that love when people feel that like i think about when i lost my virginity and i remember how certain folks responded to me there was no kindness there mm. there was no mercy there yeah. and and man what a different story that could have happened honestly if someone had taken me under their wing because I was also a kid that was searching, you know, for identity and I 
you know, that's a whole other thing. But like the, I, if someone had taken me under their wing and like lovingly and graciously like brought me in and painted a different kind of picture for me, I've always wondered if my story would be different around this. And, um, and that just didn't happen, mm. you know, which is part of why I think it's a driving force for what we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I like for me um, growing up, I was always taught, I think, so my, my parents, my mom was a youth pastor and was a progressive youth pastor. I mean, as far as like, she was on the, she was reading the books, she was going to the Willow Creek stuff. Like she was on whatever the latest thing was. Um, so she did a great job, um, both for me and the kids that, that she youth pastored. Um, but I think even what she was being given was not holistic enough because I was taught all the right things. Like if you, you know, every person you sleep with before you get married, it's like tearing off a little piece of a heart and Mm -hmm. you know, you don't, what will you have left to give to the person God has Mm -hmm. for you, which is a lovely like illustration and worked for some people, but it's not all, it's not all there, especially for boys, I think. Um, or, you know, definitely always taught to respect women, all of that stuff. But for me, the thing that was not, and it's no one's fault really, it's just like, it was never broached was, and I didn't confront it until years into my marriage. The problem was not the sexuality or the sex or the wanting to have sex or whatever. It was, how do you deal with not getting what you want? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you, it probably had more to do with like, no, you can't have that hot dog. <laughs> or right. Like, no, sure. we're not, we're not doing that today. Um, say hot dog in the sex conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, earlier you said we did a, earlier you said the church did a bad job of what that looks like. And I'm like, I know. I thought that too. I was like, I don't, just, oh, I don't think bad. I should say that here. I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> um, so for me, I later found out that like, it wasn't about that. Yeah. One, um, the, the sex, it was about me not being able in my head to understand that like yeah but i really want this thing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but i really i really want to do this thing it's right. like, well you that's it's not about what you want um and you know as a result of that i hurt i hurt women i hurt people um but kind of to go off of that a little bit i wanted to ask you both a question especially as pastors and as pastors who have worked with kids and adults mm-hmm. Do you think that part of the problem is that we talk about this this topic the same way with teenagers, the same way with adults as we do with teenagers? Like, do you think part of the problem sometimes is that we... Like, what do you mean specifically by that? So, well, one thing we talked about in our now lost recording... <laughs> no one the lost recording. <laughs> ...is like, is the, the exclusivity thing. Like, you're either in the club or you're out, and once you've had sex one time... Right. ...then you've lost your V-card and, like... That almost always, not everyone, but most of the time, I know certainly for me, it was like, well, now you're out, so well. you might as well enjoy right. <laughs> enjoy the yeah. benefits of not having the V card anymore, right? Um, so, like in you know the the um, exclusivity thing, or the just like kind of, I think for teenagers and for kids, there needs to be a sort of bound, like a sort of look. Not necessi- not that we're not doing sex education and all that stuff. Like, we're for that. It's not like, just don't do it. But right. there needs to be more of a boundary because it's like, it's like we were talking about. a lot of preventative. Like, you, you well, really are trying to, like, you're set. Not, yeah, <laughs> you're not who you are from, yet. Like, yeah. you're not ready. The yeah. reality of it is that a 16-year-old kid is less ready to have sex than a 26-year-old person. Yeah. Totally. Whether it's in or out of wedlock. Yeah. Like, it just, yeah. you're not. It's like we were having the weed conversation. It's like, 
wherever you fall on this, don't let your 14 year olds <laughs> right. <weed. laughs> like, yes. you know, you're just There's not ready for that. That <laughs> yeah. So, and I wonder sometimes if we just like kind of take our, our, not the three of us necessarily, but, but Western Christianity as a whole, we kind of just like take how we talk to teenagers about it and talk to 20 something and 30 somethings about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just had this thought. So yeah, <laughs> <we don't. laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if this answers your question exactly or not, but I do think that there is, kind of the flaw in the way that we talk about it is, you know, yes, with kids, there needs to be like maybe even more clear the boundaries piece of the conversation. But it is so much of like, here's what you can't do, like what you were saying, yeah. like, but I want to do it. And like, nope, you can't do that. You yeah. can't do that versus painting a fuller picture of like, here, let me give you a vision for what this really awesome thing that God created, what it is meant for. And not just in the, it's, I don't know. I feel like the teaching on that is like pretty weak, um, typically. Um, but showing a vision of like what what giving this part of your life over to Jesus could be like, and what mm-hmm. that means for you as a person and who you become later on. Because I feel like so much of the teaching on sexuality is really short sighted. Um, whether it's two kids or adults, it's just like don't do this thing right now, mm-hmm. and then once you're married, do this thing. And you're required to do this thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we miss we miss kind of like casting vision for it. Yeah. So people have something that they like want to, I don't know, hold on for or whatever. Yeah, because I think it's another thing that we should mention is, you know, we're we're kind of talking in binaries right now, which we all do. But we're talking about before you get married, after you get married, what's your, you know, identity or what's your orientation or all this other stuff. But like reality of it is is you could you could follow all the rules. So you could be a, you know, whatever, Christian hetero man who waited till he was twenty six and then got married and did but if you're you can still have an unhealthy view of sexuality. Yeah. Like if your expectation is that, that happens all the time. As soon as we get married, we're gonna do it all the time yep. and it doesn't you know, she's gonna yeah. whatever, whatever, like that's a miserable marriage. You're going to wake up 20 and then you may never cheat on your spouse. You may never look at porn, but you are going to, you could wake up 20 years into your marriage and realize that your wife is miserable because yeah. you have a bad or, yeah. or vice versa that, that as a broken sexuality that never got dealt with, your husband feels used and ignored. Even yeah. though you have sex, you know, whatever, however many. Yeah. Even when we talk about high sexual ethic, people always be like, Oh, you're just talking about boundaries. I'm like, that's a piece of the conversation and that's a piece of the conversation with kids or while you're dating or whatever. But high sexual ethic is also an understanding and principles that go into having a healthy sex life within the context of marriage. And that's almost never taught. And it's It's just like, you're done. We're not done. We're not talking to you or about you anymore, except on special retreats. It's all. Yeah. Or it's like, (laughs) you you have to like, I don't know, learn how to slow dance after the session. (laughs) It's weird. (laughs) (laughs) We never did that. That sounds like a story. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, when we think, I think through like some of the couples counseling um, that we've had to do or like people that sat down with me and the shame that they had from being taught as a kid or as a teenager and they they were kind of, when you get married, it all gets cleaned up. But it's like, no, no, no. It's Not such a fractured girl. view of sexuality mm-hmm. and sex in general in the context of marriage. It's so broken that that marriage still stays broken. And so the high sexual ethic is like, no, what are the principles that you have in terms of developing like a healthy sex life and an intimacy within the context of marriage? And 
there's a lot that goes into that too. You've got to work through the brokenness. You know, you talked about, you got to deal with some, some things that you've been taught or images you have in your head or, um, you know, thinking through of like, Hey, how do I like understand that intimacy is actually what carries you on in, and it's not just about the physical, though that is a piece like performance is a piece, but yeah. like the, the reality of like, wait, I don't even know how to have like real intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think we, um, we have been, we as a church, like not our church, but the church have been so obsessed with the, the what and the when mm-hmm. and the who, mm-hmm. like, who do you yeah. want to do it yeah. with? When do you want to do it? <laughs> and what do you want to do? Right. Crotch yeah. Christianity. Yeah. I'm no. concerned with that. So gross. <laughs> I actually hate the word crotch. Um, <laughs> uh, we're, we've been so confused, so obsessed with the what, the when and the who that mm-hmm. we haven't even asked the why. Why yeah. do you want to do this? Like, Absolutely. no matter who totally. you're attracted to, or when you had sex for the first time, or, or why, or when you decided to become a virgin, or you know, stay a virgin, or whatever. Like, why, why any of it? Because if right. you're, again, it's the purity culture thing, right? Like, if you're wearing the purity ring and you're waiting till marriage because you're terrified, <laughs> or right. yeah. ashamed, yeah, those are not good ways to go into that. Right. Like, that's, that's the, the why is bad. Decisions. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and in the same way, if you're, you know you know uh having a low sexual ethic because you know like why there's no yeah. good why mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not right um and i wonder i kind of mentioned this when we were recording yesterday um i wonder if there's an aspect of this that it feels i think sometimes not hopeless but very chaotic right now mm-hmm. um but i wonder if there's an aspect of what's going on like with me too and and just like an uh, a a higher understanding of like how does misogyny play into this or like how does how can sexual assault be like a sneaky thing um yeah because i feel like when we were all growing up it was like after school special or rated r movie like yeah. assault um where really it can just be convincing somebody to Manipulation. Do they don't want to do yeah. yeah um i wonder if that will actually make this conversation easier even within the church of just if somebody if there had been me too when i was 15 and somebody had just looked at me and explained it to me like do you want to be somebody's me too tweet? Sure. I'd have been like, right. Oh no. Well, how do you know you're not going to be? Right. Oh yeah. I didn't think about that or looked at me and said yeah. like, you know, how do you, kn- you're not mature enough to know whether or not this is going the way it's supposed to go. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you know, I think I would, it would have clicked for me a little better. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if this is just rose colored glasses or not because things don't seem very hopeful out there <laughs> in this realm of subject matter but um but I am pretty hopeful um because I feel like so much is now just out there it's like you're seeing mm. the results of the way the church has handled it the way culture has handled it um all of this seems like it's bubbling up to something yeah. and so I am hopeful that maybe people will start asking the why more mm-hmm. um and to me that's hopeful because like we have a good why <laughs> you know like um it it's if we have a high sexual ethic and have high grace mixed with that i think there the result is so much freedom and so much joy and that is compelling mm-hmm. um and so you know that's part of of my story honestly um i did not come from you know having horrible experiences or anything like that. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, but my story is that really, um, 
I, I mean, I made wise sexual choices, um, but it was more, it was, the focus was not on that. I felt like, um, yeah, I was a part of the purity culture thing, but it was, it didn't affect me in like a dogmatic way. I, you know, I feel like there was pretty open dialogue, especially between me and my mom, as far as like, she really cast a vision for Mm -hmm. what this is for. And, um, but it really was more than that, um, about my identity. And I was really sure of who I was, um, because of my place in my family and my place in the community, the church community that I grew up in. And so, um, so there was never, my why was never in question because I knew who I was, where I belonged. And so I really did experience like freedom and joy in this area where, um, so many (laughs) friends and then people that I've known through the years, um, just didn't experience that and um but I'm hopeful because there's always like that you can always still experience that wherever you are um in this conversation whatever has been your past there's always a chance for the freedom and the joy that comes with that yeah that's the redemptive part you know of when you I think no matter what what place you're coming from um the redemptive part of Jesus, the redemptive part of just moving towards a more gracious, loving, um, high sexual ethic mindset. You know, there you can move into that freedom. You can move into that joy. You can. And that's part of why you build up the grace culture, because that's right. what you want to see people experience. And that's, you know, our story, Lacey and I's stories are the exact opposite. But we landed at this point in our lives. We were in the same place, mm-hmm. you know, and we have a high sexual ethic within our marriage, everything else. And I would also say this about so much of what we're talking about is like physical sex and all of that. But even in celibacy and singleness and everything, a high sexual ethic, it still goes to that identity piece. It still goes to even if you never had sex for your entire life, Mm -hmm. the reality is, is like if your identity is in the right spot, you know, if you have a like a nice holistic understanding yeah. and a good vision for what sex is and isn't, mm-hmm. you know, it does lead to more freedom. It does lead um, to mm-hmm. like a greater experience mm-hmm. of life. too. Because there's a freedom in the way that you interact with other people, too, because if you know who you are and you're made in the image of God, then you also know who other people are, too. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to treat people like they should be treated. Yeah, you treat them accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think we could continue to talk about this all day and if we did apparently we'd get a bunch of listens because based on the <laughs> analytics all the you guys want to hear it all yeah <laughs> um i will i would like to close on this though um i think that it's important you know i'm always kind of trying to put myself in the place of who's listening to this and hating it right <laughs> and how are they feeling and why might they hate it usually that doesn't happen but somebody's out there, Might be out there. um And I think one of the things, too, is just as I think we sometimes both misuse the terms grace and mercy and also sort of um, with no bad intention accidentally kind of mix them up um, in a -hmm. way. I think we need to also clarify that like a high sexual ethic is not the same as a strict sexual law. Mm -hmm. I think ethics and laws are two very different things. The law is what am I allowed to do? Mm -hmm. Ethics is what should I do in this situation? Totally. do you guys have any thoughts on like either that? And if you don't, that's totally fine. I just wanted to make sure it was clear. Yeah. But do you have any thoughts on like how maybe that's gotten mixed up? Yep. Um, I think there uh, in the church world, we have made people white knuckle everything. Right. 
mean, you just hold on tight and you don't do these things. And then all of a sudden you're free afterwards. And we've just set people up to fail. We've set people up to be shameful because we've set up a law. Mm. Whereas when you teach to an ethic in a, in a, um, which is a set of principles that lead you to like essentially it's the why. Yeah. Yeah. What Lacey was sharing. It's like you create a bigger vision, um, a bigger purpose, a bigger understanding of a fuller picture of everything. Mm-hmm. Then that sets in motion the right identity, wiser decisions and a better, better understanding of things. So this is not about a do or don't list. I mean, we, we do it. We were in high school and college ministry all the time. Be Everybody like, just wants to know how far they can go. Yeah, Dude, like, I was going to ask you guys yeah. if that was like, your experience. What base, yeah. what base so can I go if to? If you're what listening to that? this, we're not going to tell you that answer right <laughs> oh now. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> Do you know what I'm like? I spent so much time talking about like, that with 15 year old boys. Yes. And I'm just like, I used to tell them, I used to tell them, go to whatever base you want. But if you think about having actual sex as a cliff, basically what you're doing is doing pull-ups on the cliff and hoping you don't fall. <laughs> We used to. Say, I used to be like, listen, you stay vertical, because it makes Isn't better it, decisions. I was like, but and then in your head, you got to ask yourself, like, where do I want this to go? Right. And if and, and if in that moment you're like, I want this to go further, then you're like, then that's too far for you. Do you I, know what I mean? And it's like, but wouldn't that be their answer every time? Yeah. Even like, I feel like even with totally. these, like <laughs> that's, that's the a, point. I think yeah. my your your thing is good. My analogy is good. But now that I think back on it, I, again, I'm like, why didn't I just I ask know. them why? Yeah. Totally. Why? Because sure. the answer would have been, I don't know, because my body's telling me. What to, yeah. Like they wouldn't have had a deep answer. Yeah. Right. I wish that I would have with. I wish somebody had with me, and I wish that I would have with the kids that I discipled. Mm. Um, as, I like, did. I, there's some stuff. things I can't say on here <laughs> that <laughs> I would say to the kids that would would reach towards that. Right. You know, and there's language that I would not use and, on our I podcast, use on, on our, our podcast. very family but, friendly. Yeah. But, like, but there was a reason for it, because when you're talking to teenage boys, right. and they're in a place, you're like, let me talk your language to get you to better understand where this is going. <laughs> I just imagine you as that Steve Buscemi meme where he like has the hat on backwards and is like, hey there, fellow teens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Cool. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in um, to this episode of Stay Curious. If you have questions, quips, comments, or quotes, you can send them to Curious at hillcityrva.com. Uh, rate and review us if you get a chance and share the episode so other folks can get in on the conversation. And as always, until next time, remember to stay curious. curious.